Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. episode number 136 of the podcast and today we've got Russell Earnshaw all the way from the UK now if you haven't heard of Rusty, he is a rugby union superstar, and that comes from representing Great Britain in the Commonwealth Games, been in World Cups, playing rugby sevens, coaching at the highest level, um, and not only that, he is now leading the way in the world with Magic Academy, and the Magic Academy is basically a forum online community for mentorship, for coaches, for teachers around the world to not only master their craft, but work together as a community to improve everything they're doing. And what I love so much about today's chat is that Rusty is just so passionate about everything he's doing. And not only is he helping rugby union, but now he's he's gone into cricket, soccer, football, rugby, hockey. And that just shows the ability of a good coach. And not only that, he talks about the top tips he's learned along the way from great coaches um, and all the sporting environments he's been around. So it's a really powerful episode today. Not only Rusty sharing about his experience of playing rugby at the highest level, but giving away so many wisdom bombs so people can really embrace their coaching and become better at everything they're doing. So guys, this is episode number 136. All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm stoked. I've got Rusty Earnshaw all the way from the UK. How are you, legend? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm, I'm suddenly thinking hopefully they won't see the video of this because they'll have to see <laughs> me the dressing gown and, and you in a vest. I'll tell you what, uh, mate, we're, we're a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> no, we uh, lucky. The beautiful, the beautiful thing about a podcast is, mate, that I always say I reckon I've got a head for radio. So the way we're dressed today, I reckon we're really sorting that out. Yeah, I'm not sure they get past the first 60 seconds if they saw how we look. <laughs> well, lucky, mate, they're not, and uh, we're getting straight into it. Now, I've got a hard-hitting question for you to start with. Uh, what do you prefer more, mate, playing or coaching? Good question. Um, and, and it's interesting because, obviously, I work across a lot of sports now, so um, rugby is my true love, so that's something that I'm definitely – certain of so I, I love working in other worlds so I get to work in hockey and cricket and football and I, I, I love their sports however they don't quite give me the spark of rugby um, I love helping people so I probably prefer coaching I, I would yeah I mean but once in a while I get out there and play and you kind of remember how joyful it is don't you I think I think once your body starts to say no then it's um, <laughs> It's probably time to listen to it and start to think more about, yeah, look, I get a real kick from helping people. So that's um, that's in, that's incredibly rewarding. It's also incredibly exhausting. Yeah, I know what you mean, mate. Now, obviously, uh, rugby union is probably one of the most brutal sports in the world. So no wonder your body's uh, a bit battered from a mate. But um, let's talk about your upbringing and, uh, you know, your junior days and things like that before obviously hitting the big time. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was big time. Um, and, and interestingly, I, the game wasn't as brutal when I played it. So I was I was born up north in Middlesbrough. Um, I was um, fortunate enough to meet a guy who said, well, you should come and play rugby. I think it was about 12, 13. 
um, and went over to the local rugby club and, you know, got friends for life from there, really. I loved it. Great set of lads. We had a brilliant coach, a guy called Jeff Hurst. Uh, not the Jeff Hurst, but definitely in our area, he was the Jeff Hurst. He was a about six foot five bouncer in a local nightclub. Uh, <laughs> when you're a teenage boy, you're thinking, this guy's cool. Um, uh, probably inspired me. Um, well, not probably, definitely. Um, I then went, I was uh, thinking about going to university. Uh, no one in my family had been to uni, so uh, I thought I'll, 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 I'll aim high. So I went around and I spent a day looking around Cambridge. I, I stayed there for five days. I was pretty distracted for five days. <laughs> um, and uh, it was that really, just actually spending time there with people who played rugby and seeing the varsity match and thinking I'd love to play in that. And that probably inspired me to work hard, to do well in my exams. And then, yeah, I had a, a great time at uni. Um, got lucky, uh, travelled back up up north, played some games for West Hartlepool, played well against Bath in a couple of games and and, and went to Bath. Um, I always say my first year was probably too successful, so we won the European Cup and um, I got to play in the Commonwealth Games in KL, uh, which was pretty cool. I didn't get to play against, but people like Cullen and Lomu and Campisi were playing and you're 21 years old, you know, and you're thinking... Wow, I've, um, my life is complete. Um, <laughs> that was probably the problem. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, continued playing for a period. Coached England sevens. Uh, went back and did two years of teaching. So on the job, really learning how to teach, which was class. And then the previous three years to this in the um, <clears throat> in the pathway with England. So working with the eighteens, twenties. Uh, leading on the coach development stuff and then um, yeah last year made the big leap so yeah just uh, working for myself and working with John Fletcher and the Magic Academy and um, yeah learning every day uh, as I said to you I've got some pretty long lists of things to do <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty excited about the doing it sounds a little bit like your tip, trip to Qatar I'm, I'm pretty excited that you got to deliver a workshop and I'm sure you had huge impact on people. I bet you weren't that excited about the uh, flight there, flight back, <laughs> all the admin that goes with it. So that's the, the balance I'm, I'm trying to explore at the moment is, is admin versus action. I think uh, I think one of the beauties of obviously every job's got its downfalls, mate. It doesn't matter where you are. It's like probably playing, doing a preseason, all the training, everything like that. But it's got to be done so you can get in front of those audience, so you can have the impact, like you just said. So before we get onto the Magic Academy, because I'm followed you guys for the last year, and I just love everything you're doing. What was the highlight of your playing career? World Cups, Commonwealth Games, England Sevens. European Championships. What could you pinpoint one, or do you think hitting like obviously at twenty one winning the European Championship? Do you reckon you're like, wow, this is pretty easy. It's too good. Was it like? Do you reckon you just got landed on your feet so well that? Do you reckon you can? What can you pinpoint one of those, mate? Yeah, and it's something I thought about a lot. So um, <clears throat> obviously, um, it was it was possibly the seven days after the European Cup win that was the highlight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which was the problem. A few so, great uh, <laughs> Yeah. It was interesting because they said, oh, we're going to have an open-top bus ride around Bath. And I'm thinking, that's cool, and no one's going to come. Um, and yet they did. And so uh, 
I can remember thinking, there's going to be no one there. We're on a bus. This is weird. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, and a mentor would have helped me. I definitely think a lot about that over my career. And I'm fortunate I get to um, interact with some pretty exciting young players still, even though I'm, I'm not working um, with the RFU, but, um, and, and help support them and help them make sense of it. Highlight, I think it's, um, for me, it's 100% about the people you meet. So I look back, I've, got, I've had some brilliant memories. I've been to some cool places. Um, lots of exciting stamps in my passport. I can't remember that many of the games. Um, I can definitely remember the, the memories, the people, the, the good times. You know, I was fortunate. I played with some people like Charlie Harrison across several clubs. I was with him at Bath, we were at Rotherham together, we were at Doncaster together, and our families are still, you know, that type of, those type of friends, memories that sport gives you, that's the, that's the bit for me, really. Um, not that I'll be honest with you not that many of the memories would be on the pitch um, I think when I was at Birmingham we had a season where we stayed up and I got quite emotional about that I can definitely remember that one but that was probably more about the, the people that were around us and the people that had stepped in to help the club and Eugene who I was really lucky to coach with and, and learnt loads from um, yeah, just load. I mean, why wouldn't you want your kids to play sport and enjoy it? Yeah, it's so true. And I, I know that it's all about relationships. I think all any facet of life's about relationships, Rusty. So how do you think sport fosters lifelong friends? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. And, and I don't think it guarantees it. Okay. So yep, that's good. I think sports done done badly can actually be pretty kind of productive in that so for example you know we've got a big furore at the moment in England around the half game rule well if you were the group of people and you you don't get to go on the pitch regularly and you compare yourselves to others and you don't feel as though you're as good as them then that's not that helpful um if and we're doing a bit of work with some people who are um trying to help people who are in gangs and one of the big things around um, gangs so a big predictor is people being shamed when they're younger so and once again that can very easily happen in sport where you are shamed in front of your peers by someone older than you that you don't feel capable of challenging so I think done badly it could look like that done well you know wow you know supporting each other um, some of the best stuff I see players making their own their own substitutions players mentoring other players, players, you know, being in a team, last-minute scenario, how can we come, you know, working together as a unit, going on tour together. Um, I think it's great for us as adults. It can keep us young. If we listen to the kids, if we notice them, if we look at how they behave and we go, all right, do you know what, if I want to help support that young person, I might need to remember what it was like to be a child. I think it can be powerful for the grown-ups as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, both my kids are, are exploring loads of different sports at the moment. So Fred's 14, Elsa's 8, and, you know, it's just like, it's just changing their world. Yeah, so so true, mate. And I suppose you would have, not only through your playing career, but now you're coaching and now your kids as well, obviously you would have seen a lot of sort of changes in not only culture, but training, sports science, um, the way we build relationships, the way we communicate. You know, I think back probably when you were starting out that a lot of coaching was 
all about rah, revving up and trying to motivate through sort of pinpointing and loud voices and things where it's a lot more sort of talking and things now. So what changes have you seen like since you started to obviously what you're doing now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there'd be, I think we're, we're willing to um, uh, accept the notion that kids can actually take responsibility for their own learning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would probably be what we would want if we were being brutally honest. So I see much more environments. I, I mean, just did a podcast with Dave Ross and he <clears throat> was speaking about Scott Robertson in. Um, of the Crusaders, and they've won the last two Super Rugby titles, and you know the guys break dancing. I mean, that's coaching for me now. That, <laughs> you know, that, that would have never happened in years gone by. But one of the big things for them is theming, is telling stories. So how do we capture people's imagination? I'm seeing some some really good stuff around that, and the players taking responsibility, the players owning the environment. So I think we're starting to see more of that. I think. Coaches are actually curious and asking kids, you know, would you, how would you do this better? Um, if you were coaching or, you know, do you want to coach the, the first 20 minutes of the next session? Uh, I see that type of stuff going on. Um, what I'm also starting to see probably more is some connections between rugby and football and football and hockey and actually let's get into each other's worlds. And then what I'm also starting to see more of now, which is really exciting, is, <clears throat> is sport in the classroom. So clearly there's stuff as people on the pitch, we can learn from, from teachers in the classroom and vice versa. So yeah. I think it's an exciting time. I think we're talking about learning rather than probably teaching. Um, we are definitely, I'm seeing a real um, group of young coaches come through who I'm a little bit jealous of because they're 21 and they're probably where I was about, a week ago, uh, <laughs> because of their ability, you know, because it's just, you know, you can access learning, you can access information. You know, I, he, um, Dave Ross spent time with the, the Lions, the South African Lions from Super Rugby, and then with Wynard Ellis, and I said, oh, how did you come across that? He said, I just messaged him on Twitter. Uh, I had um, Max Caldas, who's the... Um, head coach of the uh, Dutch women's hockey team. He's an Olympic coach. I mean, he's won Olympic gold. And he messaged me on Twitter and said, look, would you come and hang with us for a couple of days? And I'm like, wow. So this, there's just so many more opportunities to go out there and learn. And so I do think we've got a, an, an exciting generation of coaches that are, you know, that are also driving this change. Yeah, and I think oh, I'm definitely the same. You know, you can access anything at the click of the button or like we're doing right now, mate, we live completely other sides of the world. Um, we're having a communication, we're having a chat, learning from each other, but then so many other people are learning as well. So um, is that one area that you see uh, technology just really flourishing and it's going to obviously, do you reckon coaching will get better the more things like this come out and, and the younger kids today do you think they will use that to obviously b- b- build their craft and generate better quality coaching uh, autonomy and everything like that yeah look i think it's it's interesting isn't it so um how we engage with technology is you know is, is the key thing for me really so i was at uh, fa goalkeeper camp the other day and the the lads come in and they're really nervous and they're 13, 14. It's their first time at St. George's Park and even I'm nervous. And uh, <laughs> I'm 44. And, uh, and, they, um, and they get the kids and there's a table tennis table there and they say, right, you've got to come up with a game that involves all of you. 
you're going to use your phones for bats. There's a way of engaging with technology. So um, everyone's involved. Um, they're playing with their with their phones, and some of them are thinking, God, I wish I had the slightly larger iPhone. Um, however, they're not using their phones. They're actually just, you know, they're, and they're just being playful and they're being kids, and it's their first interaction with England, and it doesn't feel like pressure or any of those things. So there's... Uh, I mean, I guess the the positive is, look, you can go and access anything. It's really easy. There's a couple of challenges for me. One is I think Twitter can be quite divisive, them versus us, um, constraints-led approach versus cognitive, or lots of debates, games versus drills, and clearly it's not one or the other. And how do you build your coaching craft? You, you get on the pitch and you coach. Yeah. And you, and you, and you reflect and you, and you get feedback and you – try stuff you be brave and you um, and you go and coach girls and boys and men and women and different sports and you learn and you make loads of mistakes and you learn from those mistakes as quickly as you can yeah the internet will give you lots of clues to this um i think there was a a, a piece of work as well around how do we make some of this stuff more accessible and more understandable so uh, we did a pod with Amy Price the other day, and lots of people have said, oh, I really like the pod. And I said, I liked it because <clears throat> Amy Price is, is is super academic. I mean, she's probably got the brain the size of a planet. However, I understand everything she says. It makes sense to me. She translates it into my language, and maybe she speaks to people who are a bit more intelligent than me and in a slightly different way, or maybe she doesn't. But she actually just... She decodes it for me and she goes, here's how it, you know, this is what you might do and this is why. Um, so I think it's out there. I mean, once again, it's, it's just get on the pitch and coach. And I guess one of the challenges we're starting to see is lots of those young coaches are, are killing it. Um, and then suddenly an ex-player gets parachuted into a job and they haven't had the, the – the experiences of being on the pitch and building their craft and learning from mistakes. And it's also tough for them because you're learning from your mistakes in an environment where learning from your mistakes costs you your job. Yeah, you don't you don't really get a second chance, do you? You're in there, then you're gone. And um, But the one thing I'm just going to come back to, that, that iPhone game of table tennis, that is fantastic. I love it. And I'm a big believer in play and creative play and designing your own game and um, allowing, you know, just creativity to take over your sessions and then not having witches hats, not having these structured drills all the time. What Where's the fine balance there? Because obviously we still need our drills, but the power of play and creativity is so important, isn't it? Yeah, um, look, and, 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 and sometimes people I, I use the phrase, just a game. Are they just playing a game? And I'm like, it looks like the game. Uh, and they're, yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is the bit. So uh, I had a good chat with the coach on the way home last night. And uh, people are, 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 I think people are starting to get a grip with a lot of the what. So actually, if we change our practice, make it look more representative of the game, then we're pretty cool with that. I think they're now going, well, when do I intervene and why do I intervene? And how do I intervene? So is it the whole group? Is it an individual? Is it actually some people might have the opportunity to go over there and practice some stuff that they then bring back into the game? My version of everything is that um, there's a we do, with good practice design, we can then take time to step back, notice, observe, and then 
come up with solutions. And for me, creativity is, is, is simply about solutions to problems. So it's then looking at every session and going, right, what's the stuff that Dale, you know, what's the stuff Dale's doing well? And that would be my bias. And how can I make him even better at that? And what's the stuff that Dale needs support on? And often in, in the world of uh, talent development, we're also thinking about, well, what's going to happen when Dale goes from being in the under-18s to being in the senior team? What are the skills he's going to need for that? Um, so I'm always – I tend to think individually. Um, I think so a really good example, I was up at Rangers the other day and with Michael Beale. He's the um, – he's that, uh, I think Stevie Gerrard's manager and Mike's that head coach. And Mike um, said – uh, Rusty, I said, why didn't you make it as a player, Mike? He said, because I had an 18-year-old left foot and a two-year-old right foot. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful way of putting it, and I think it would resonate with kids. Look, you've off your right, you've got a 15-year-old pass. Off your left, how old do you think it is? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's how I see it. I think I think we've gone a long way down the road of really good practice design and I think I don't know if, if people have seen much of Danny Newcomb's work so Danny Newcomb works in hockey and he's doing some great work around that I think now it's about how do we become better crafts people on the pitch so how do we do questioning how do we do feedback how are we going to get really good at noticing stuff so that we can then make good decisions as coaches. Mm. Um, and I think lots of people, that's where we are. I think we're at a stage where people are exploring that. They're trying to get better at it. They're, they're getting into other people's environments. They're asking for feedback. And the other challenge is it's an infinite game. We'll never, ever get to the end. So you'll do, you, you'll have gone on that plane back from Qatar and you would have definitely gone, oh, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> Hindsight's a wonderful thing, though, Rusty. You know, you always want to improve things, and I don't think uh, any human leaves something not wanting to prove something. But I suppose you can't. You can only make it better the next time. And I think that's a lot of the stuff you've been saying there, mate. And I know coaches, teachers, everyone listening, got so many valuable takeaways there. And was that sort of the the creation of the Magic Academy, mate? Was like everything I suppose you've gone through, if your playing career, um, and then with your coaching and things like that. How do you, you decide? Right, I'm going to create the. We've get Fletch. We're going to go Magic Academy. We're going to start dominating. How? How? Where's the blueprint, mate? Where did this come from? Uh, dominating, strong work. <laughs> Very um, strong. Um, so the origins of it actually are that what I what was happening when I was with the RFU was. You would probably only get a certain number of touch points with a coach. So you might see a coach, depending upon who they are, probably any time between one and 15 times a year, let's say. So I guess the remit I had with CRCs, with ACDOs, with um, uh, academy coaches, etc., at schools, you probably end up seeing over a 1,000 coaches a year. That's a lot of coaches. So clearly – how can we make it more longitudinal? So essentially set up a sharing site for coaches where they could create their own little community and communities. So um, they might then go, oh, look, and, you know, is, is, I'm, I'm, I'm going for coffee and we did it. Does anyone fancy coming? And so there'd be a lot of that one. Or I'm coaching this evening. Would anyone want to come down and co-coach with me? So lots of shared experiences, lots of problems. So I'm really struggling. I've got couple of kids that are less motivated than everyone else. What can I do type thing? Um, 
So it originally started out like that. I guess it grew and grew and grew. And then, you know, you're getting random um, <laughs> emails from a football coach on the Ivory Coast saying, I've heard of the Magic Academy. How can I join? Um, which is exciting. Um, and then I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably become a bit, it's, it's certainly there's a movement going on over here <clears throat> around coaches sharing. And I think one of the other things we were very mindful of, we wanted to help support and promote and share what great work some of the people who essentially I would say are wizards were doing. So <laughs> I, won't, I won't mention names because I'll definitely miss people out. And those wizards wouldn't necessarily be at the top of the hierarchy. So there would be some people who lots of people would go, well, who is that guy? And I'd be going, well, you need to get down there because he's absolutely killing it. I mean, there's some stuff he's doing around engaging kids or gamification that you, you need to go and see. So we were very mindful of that as well. So that, um, And where it's now evolved to is, now I'm on quite a lot of WhatsApp groups around, and we just did a coaching, uh, a hockey thing last night, and uh, at the end we just said, look, who would want to sign up for a, um, a WhatsApp group for this group of coaches? There's about 30 of us, and, and now we've got a WhatsApp group with 30 of us on. And we're just going to share our best stuff and things that we've learned and things that have worked. And when we've seen some good CPDs, I'm on a couple of others. I'm on the Birmingham Magic Academy branch, the Lincoln Magic Academy branch. I'm on Invisible College. I'm on um, just loads of them. So I'm learning lots. Every time I see something cool, I'll, I'll share it and put it on as, as many as I can remember. Uh, we've started doing it with hockey as well. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good use of technology. Yeah, and um, uh, it's really all about community, isn't it? So I know you mentioned uh, sort of mentorship as well. So um, do you find when obviously these groups are created and everything like that, that you foster it, but then uh, the magic sort of happens when you leave because you're planting the seeds, you're putting people together, they're in similar position with their coaching and probably ideas and where they're at, and they grow as a team. It's sort of like a mastermind sort of group. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, I don't set up the WhatsApp group, so that's one of my rules. <laughs> so, have to do it. Uh, Matt Way set up the one last night, and uh, George Browning set up the Birmingham one, and Tom Eve set up the Lincoln one, and so um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I would want them to <clears throat> to own it, and I'll just dip in. I mean, there's no way you want to create a reliance. One thing that <clears throat> I think the biggest single impact it's had is people saying to me, "It's not just me." Yeah. So what yeah. you can often see on Twitter is the person that that shouts the loudest. You know, sometimes people go, "Oh, that person must be right." So mm. there'll be some stuff going on 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 Twitter around. You know, I won't mention names, and I'm thinking, yeah, but a lot of people listen to you, and that might also be like an ex-player or a famous person or a newspaper reporter or something like that. Then people tend to listen to them. So some of these coaches would then be going, right, am I wrong? Am I, what's the, so lots of them would say, oh, Rusty, it was, it was just the fact that I met three or four more people like me who had the same problems and we were trying to achieve the same things and we were both getting the same feedback from the kids that it was great, but no one else in the organization was doing it. Um, so Dave Ross, I've just, I've just spoke to, he's at King's uh, College in, in Auckland and he went over to New Zealand and it wasn't how he imagined it. And he's definitely having some impact upon the philosophy of, of how they coach and what they coach. And 
I mean, he'd, he'd be sharing the same experience in loads of other people, probably yeah. just at a slightly higher level than they are. So that was that was the thing that I think that sense of belonging, that being part of a group, those shared problems and, and shared successes has been probably the bit more than, if I'm honest, any of the technical, tactical stuff. Because actually, often coaching is about, and we possibly don't look after ourselves well enough. Um, we don't. You know, these groups also give people opportunities to reflect. Um, but actually, just your well, these are having impacts upon people's well being. Yeah. I'll be honest. And, uh, so, it's the stuff that I'm noticing. Yeah, and, and I suppose that's the biggest thing with, I, I see with coaching and teaching is that we put our students or our athletes first and then we, ne- we neglect ourselves. And I don't feel that you can be on your best game until you're putting yourself forward because you're a reflection of what you're doing, you're coaching, you're teaching, you're mentoring, all that. So, mate, let's – I know I've got a lot of teachers and coaches listening, Rusty. If you could basically give three tips that are non-negotiables or that all coaches need to have or just – Things that they can implement quite easily now, what would they be, mate? I know there's so many broad things and you could go on for a while, but um, if you could just narrow it down to, I don't know, two or three uh, little wisdom nuggets, let's go. Yeah, it might be more than two or three. Apologies. Number one, um, understand why you do your best thinking. So I think as coaches, we need to create space for ourselves to do. So I'll come up with loads of ideas from this conversation. So for me, podcasts work. For me, driving when I'm not on my phone works. So on my way up yesterday to running the, the thing up at the hockey thing, I had all my best ideas. <clears throat> so that's what works for me. For other people, it might be in the shower, falling asleep or put a notebook next to you, going for a walk in the morning, doing exercise. There's something that, same again i get it when i'm running um so i've started running more which i also needed to do so think about where you do your best thinking because if you're gonna get better and and look and and reflect and come up with fresh ideas then then you need to put yourself in that position more often um that probably ties in with the second one just be really mindful of that and i see this because i worked in a school that you just end up working at 64 (laughs) percent Instead of 64, mate, where'd you get that number? <laughs> I just wouldn't have a zero or five. But often, you know, so I'm thinking, well, <clears throat> what can I do? <clears throat> What's the stuff I need to do to mean that I'm, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm just regenerating as we would with athletes. And then I'm killing it. I'm, I'm 97% for, for economics, macro. So I'm, how can we do that better for ourselves? And that might be diet, that might be sleep. You know, I would generally, I used to work late. <clears throat> I now go, I'll get up at five or I'll get up at four. <clears throat> and that works better for me. My brain's usually frazzled by the end of the day. That simple adaptation has definitely helped me. Um, next one really, and we, me and Dave Ross just spoke about this, would be because coaching is a group activity, think about how you and your co-coaches are going to work effectively together. So, Go out, watch get, watch whole games together. That doesn't happen often enough in my experience. Go out and get away from the place and go and become friends and get to know each other and build trust. Uh, that would be that would be critical for me. If you're going to work as part of a team, either a coaching team or a, a department in a school, then spend time away from there understanding how can we work effectively together as a team. So think of ourselves as a team and and. And let's value people's strengths within that. Um, 
and probably the last one for me. And so I always say to the coaches, look, well, what is good coaching? What are your top three things? And the number one thing they always mention is building rapport, communication, people skills. So how are you going to get better at them? So be intentional. Go and watch other people do it. Go and spend time with a primary school teacher. See how come they can keep 30 kids <laughs> occupied, focused, whatever focused is for a primary school kid. Go and spend time with hostage negotiators. Understand their language. Go and, go and spend time with a magician and understand how do they deliver that final thing and how, what are they looking around for for feedback same with comedians. So there's loads of places where I think we could be more intentional with developing ourselves. And actually, the last, my last bit of advice would be just, just be you. So the other challenge with all of the social media and the information is you can stop being you. So there's no point you, Dale, trying to be. And I haven't seen you coach, but I imagine you would be quite high energy, <laughs> engaging. There might be some high fives. There might be some. Then people would think it was weird if Dale was really quiet and said, you know what, I'm just going to notice for 95% of the session. So a really good example of that. So um, our Magic Academy cards, they're, they're quite provocative. So um, one of the, I said to the kids, look, could you, I said to two of the kids, could you pick some secret missions for your coaches? So they picked two cards and I said, okay, why have you picked this card? And so it was for coaching. It was um, have a positive interaction with every kid. And the, and the kids said, well, actually, I think this coach can be quite negative. So I gave the card to the coach. So only the coach knew, the two coaches knew their challenges and two of the kids and um, and at the end, I said, so he did it. He tried to do his positive interactions. And at the end, I said to the kids, oh, how was uh, how was so-and-so? Um, you know, give me some feedback so I can tell him. And they said he was creepy. Um, <laughs> so that was, so once again, that's understanding that, you know, which bus stop are you picking someone up from? So actually having, for that coach, it might have been one or two positive interactions. And so hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah. I would do it differently next time, but... We've never, we would have never got to those conversations without that. So I think being you, being authentic, understanding what makes Dale, you know, what's, what are your super strengths? What are your superpowers? What's Rusty's superpowers? I certainly wouldn't endorse other coaches to be like me. Yeah. Um, lots of coaches, are. I look at them, I think, God, I wish I could do what you did. But actually, sometimes it just doesn't, it just doesn't, work with me so yeah just being authentic being you would be a, a big thing for me it's yeah. also really tiring it's also really tiring not being you yeah i mean you'll you'd be below 64 percent if you were <laughs> pretend you'd be 58 if you were pretending to be someone else all the time wouldn't you you would be i, I love that and i authenticity is so important and my big things i i love i think you did add about five or six there and any coach, teacher, athlete, business person, anybody, they're things you can adapt into everyday life, man. They're not just for coaches. I think they mix anywhere you go. And um, the big one there is, uh, for me, it's about having fun. If you're not having fun as a coach or whatever you're doing, then your students, your business people, whoever you're with aren't having fun. And one thing I've noticed a lot about everything you're doing, Rusty, and I've noticed from Twitter and so forth, is the power of storytelling, mate, and you're really good at this. How important is it to build story around, I know, and I know particularly teachers do this well, if you're looking at a primary school 
teacher trying to look after 30 young kids. There's probably a reason they've built a story or a narrative around it. I know gamification is big on this and everything like that, mate. But for you, you've used a lot of story today. And how crucial is that in sort of your gameplay and, and what you bring as a coach? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, 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 and I would tend to use stories probably to demonstrate some stuff. So, an example, I was at Derby County on Monday and I was with a footballer. I don't know much about football, but he's played a lot for England. And, and my wife said, um, oh, he used to be married to Ashley Cole. Um, that's how she knew him. And, uh, and I asked him about, you know, how many coaches have asked you for feed, how you want your feedback, how many times have you been involved in the planning of a session? And, you know, and he said, wow, I've never thought of any of that. But So that's a powerful story because this guy has, has got multiple caps for England. He's, you know, everyone would say this guy's... But, but there, there might have been a reason he didn't become world-class. And so that's, I guess that's the story. So, and then we can then capture people with a story and then we can then start to talk about, well, actually what's the evidence around it? Um, so I like doing it that way. The other way, as you've identified, is actually just engaging people around a theme yeah. so it might yeah. be that crusaders for example it might be that you you know your theme for the season is heavyweight champion of the world you know you could have heavyweight champion of the world in the classroom and every time we do a little every time we do our, our, our times tables it's going to be a three minute round and we're going to see if we can knock the teacher out the teacher's got a challenge and you kids have got a challenge and if you can do more than i can then you know you knock me out type thing uh, and I'm, once again, I'm gamifying stuff. And then maybe the, whoever whoever's making the most progress, whoever's working the hardest, they they have the boxing gloves for the day, and they get to, they get to run around in the playground with the boxing gloves or whatever it might be. But just capturing people's hearts would be for me. I mean, it's 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 a powerful way to connect people. Um, in, in rugby, Saracens do it the best over here. They have the wolf pack in defence and. You know, they brought wolves into meetings. They brought boa constrictors in. People are, it's its more than the tech tack. It's, uh, it's the emotion of defense that they're capturing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it would just be normal for me, really. Uh, that's, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I've been lucky enough to, to work with and learn from lots of really good storytellers. So John Fletcher, Peter Walton, um, guys like Keith Lyons, Kevin Bowring, Nigel Redman, uh, Ben Ryan would all be really, really cool storytellers. Yeah, and I think, mate, yeah. like from what I've heard from you today, Rusty, you'll put yourself yeah. on that list, mate. Your stories are fantastic. And um, not only that, just a little like, – that's why podcasting is so good, mate, because our conversation today has just gone off on a different tangent I thought it would. But people <laughs> listening, and that, that's the power of it. I think when you just start talking, you can tell your passion. Um, it's awesome. So, guys, go and check out magicacademy.co.uk. I'll have links in the show notes. Now, Rusty, I know how busy you are, mate, and it is early morning there. You're ready to crack on for the day. I've got a couple of questions. I always ask my guests before we leave, mate. Now, are you ready for these? These are, these are always good fun. Yeah, cool. All right, mate. So the, the first one is, if you could go back to 18-year-old Rusty and you, from all your years of wisdom, you're playing, you're coaching, being a father, um, creating your own business, everything you've done, if you could give yourself one bit of advice for your 18-year-old self from everything you've learned along the way, what would that be? Listen. That's just what, to yourself or to others? To others. I remember two conversations uh, vividly, and I don't remember that much stuff. 
I remember a conversation with Adi Adebayo just outside um, uh, the wreck near the river in Bath. And I remember a conversation with Mike Tyndall uh, just on the corner uh, over the other side of Pontley Bridge. And I should have listened to both of them. <laughs> and, you, and you did? I won't the conversations, but I didn't. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I mean, once again, I mean, however, if I, if I, um, if I had, I might not have met my beautiful wife and had my wonderful kids and, you know, at 44, finally have my dream job. So uh, listen would be good. And then, I, look, the other one that's really, really apparent to me is I needed some someone to mentor me, to help me make sense of what was going on because I, I remember, another thing I remember vividly is um, one of my first days at Bath, there was one of the players who was a British line and an international player in the meeting said, um, if you pay me a bigger win bonus, I'll play better. And I remember thinking, that just makes no sense to me because I play sport because I love it and I'm joyful and I can't believe I'm in this room. Like All my dreams have come true. And then I was like, wow, that's just, oh, that doesn't make sense. But I never had people to help me make sense of stuff. So, um, yeah, mentor as well. Yeah, I think uh, I have a lot of people say listening, and, and one of my big things is listening as well. And I think uh, I don't know as an eighteen-year-old if I, if you're intelligent or wordly enough to sort of listen and be able to process it. So I would be able to, I'd love to be able to do that too, mate. But I, I agree, having a mentor or people you can talk to or help you out is is crucial, and particularly someone that's not a family member. I know obviously a lot of parents and mentors and things like that, but I agree, mate. They're two bits of just awesome advice. Now to finish off. Rusty, what's your legacy going to be, mate? I know you're 44. You've probably got another 64 years in you, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what legacy do you want to be known for? What What are you going to leave on the world, mate? Uh, and, and, and and hopefully medical technology will have advanced, so I do get another 64 years, uh, albeit I don't want my body to degrade in any way. Um, look, ah, look, the purpose of, our, of what we do is purely around better experiences for, for kids, if I'm honest. And, and by kids, and, 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 and what you said is, is often true, that um, at 18 years old, we, we haven't been equipped with those skills. However, uh, at, the, at the session last night, a young goalkeeper called Izzy, who was 13, 14, just completely captured a group of adults. Like, I was like, Wow. And interestingly, and, and they weren't mum said, as, as uh, she was chatting to all the adults for ages, and uh, and when we came in, her mum said, what's Izzy done wrong? Why is she with the adults? <laughs> I was, no, 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 seriously, like, your daughter's remarkable. She's like, she's killing it. So I think, I do think, and I, I get to come across lots of amazing kids who can do that. I mean, our legacy is about, look, let's create really good environments, experiences, memories, for kids and as adults what are the things we need to be mindful of in order to do that so can we just be more skillful at, at helping the kids become better um and that's it in a nutshell really and and then i can sleep easy at night and if we've you know helped some people along the way then i'm pretty excited now i mean we get some cool feedback i get some quite remarkable feedback from people in the you know i've had people who so john lavery's been working with inuit youth and in, in uh, Canada and, 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 and some of the stuff he's doing is inspiring me and he's saying, you know, we've done some stuff to help him and that's blown my mind. We've had people contact us who've been working with some people, Aboriginal people who have 
who are finding it tough. And we've had some remarkable emails from people there saying, look, uh, I listened to one of your podcasts and that one or two things reminded me of something I'd forgotten. Um, yeah, I, I think it's about that. I mean, genuinely, why wouldn't you be on this earth? And this is why I'm really anti-Brexit. Um, <laughs> just, just be kind to people. Just care for people. Just have really positive experiences with other people. I can't believe as a country we are trying to leave other – we're trying to make the world less integrated, less connected because – um, there's so much going on in the world and potential problems that we need to be more connected. We need to understand that we're all human and we're, you know, we're, that's what we have in common. Let's find more stuff in common. I think we're, there's lots of stuff where we're, we're accentuating difference. So, yeah, I guess it's for me it's about, yeah, hopefully the kids will eventually take over the world. <laughs> mate, I, I love that. I think kindness uh, is infectious. And, mate, you've been really kind today if you can't time. People are listening. Where can we, on Twitter, other socials, where can we uh, reach out and thank you for your time today? And not only that, follow you so we can uh, get more of Rusty. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm at Russell Earnshaw on Twitter. I couldn't remember. I think our website is www.themagicacademy.co.uk, I yeah, think, but I can't Well done. And then, uh, yeah, just drop me an email. I'm rusty at themagicacademy.co.uk. If you're curious about anything or interested, um, we've got the sharing platform, so anyone contacts us, we, we'll put them on there. You can, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll connect you up with a community of like-minded people across multiple sports and business, and, yeah, that'll, that'll keep you busy. Legend, mate. I'll, uh, I'll have all links for those in the show notes. And, Rusty, I know, mate, how busy you are. Um, and thanks for getting dressed up today, mate. It's an uh, absolute pleasure to see you in your finest here, legend. <laughs> mate, mate, I really appreciate it. Keep doing the great work you're doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big follower of the stuff you're doing as well. I think you're, uh, I think you're rocking it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, Rusty.